0: Hello and welcome to Wolfgang Pustai, one of the most respected experts on Libya, not only in Europe, but also in the United States, where he's a director of an advisory company, Perim Associates. Wolfgang is also a senior at the AIS. And I would like to discuss with uh, you, dear. Uh, one very, very important factor in the southern neighborhood of Europe, um, being, of course, Turkey. Now, if you look at Turkey's, specifically geopolitics, in uh, the southern neighborhood, we can actually uh, discover a quite assertive role along the whole North African coast and, of course, in the Middle East. Turkey has managed to solidify its presence in the northern Syria, has been engaged in a very tense dispute, uh, gas dispute with Greece in Eastern Mediterranean Sea, and of course, has increased its presence in Libya. And this is what I would like to ask you first, what are the main geopolitical and geoeconomic interests that determine Turkey's position in Libya?
1: Please let me first stress that for the European Union the stability of Turkey is a key interest. It is a key interest that Turkey remains a stable neighbor of the European Union. Everything else would end in a nightmare. In order to understand the geopolitics about Turkey in the Eastern Mediterranean and also in the African region, it is mandatory to analyze the background of Erdogan's power politics. Uh, Erdogan's foundation of power rests with major Turkish economic enterprises. It rests with Islamists, with the political Islam, especially with the Muslim Brotherhood. And Turkey has an ambition to become a leading power or the leading power of the Sunnis, Uh, a further backbone of Uh, Erdogan's uh, power is the support by the Turkish nationalists. And all these elements are drivers also of Turkey's foreign policy. The strategic interests of Turkey are especially related to the territorial integrity of the national territory without any special rights for minorities. This hits the Kurds. Uh, Another vital interest is independence in energy supply, also in order to get the foreign trade deficit under control. Uh, An important interest is to get sales and investment markets and labor markets for the Turkish industry and for the Turkish economy, especially for the construction markets in Northern Africa and in the rest of Africa. An important interest for Turkey is the promotion of political Islam. But it could be debated if this is an end in itself or this is just a means to an end to pursue the other objectives. What makes dealing with Turkey for the European Union, quite complicated, quite challenging, is the way that Turk or Turkey uses the tools of strategy. Especially the use of the military as a tool of strategy is a huge problem for the European Union. By using his military in the Aegean and in North Africa, he's acting on a level on which the European Union does not want to confront him. And he exploits this. Another key tool is propaganda and public diplomacy, including the delivery of COVID-19 facial masks to other countries all over the, the world and the repatriation of Turkish patients to Turkey in times of need. Another tool is his use of the Turkish population and of the Turks on the Western Balkans and the Muslim population in the on the Balkans and in Western Europe by supporting them, by giving them uh, Turkey as their real homeland. Another one, and this is a in particular dangerous weapon, is that he is using migration as a weapon. We remember last March when he facilitated the move of migrants to the Turkish Greek border and facilitated and supported uh, their crossing over to Greece, which was stopped by, fortunately, by the Greece border control services. Another important element is that uh, Turkey is aware that the American bases in Turkey especially in Incirlik are of critical importance for the United States. Incirlik is also a base for American tactical nuclear weapons. And with respect to geography, Turkey has a key role for NATO in order to blocking the entrance uh, into the Mediterranean for the Soviet na- for the Russian Navy if that's necessary. Last but not least, I would like to mention also diplomacy. Uh, Turkey's foreign uh, diplomacy uh, is built on its relation with Qatar. They are mutually uh, assisting each other and they are making up for the weaknesses of each other. This means Qatar is providing financial resources and Turkey is providing manpower. Turkey has deployed military troops to Qatar. There's a permanent military base in Qatar, also as some kind of deterrence for any kind of Arab attack on Qatar. Turkey is uh, uh, presenting itself as the champion of the Arabs against Israel. So he has a very staunch anti-Israeli policy. He has problems, Turkey has problems with almost all its neighbors, but is in good relations with Germany. So the relation with Germany is a tool for Turkey to divide the European Union, to divide the European Union and to exploit the good relationship in order to exert pressure on other european union countries especially on greece and on cyprus uh, the relations with germany are certainly characterized by the strong turkish uh, rooted population in germany and also about the problems with regard to migration let me have a look on the territorial claims of turkey in the eastern mediterranean this question is simple is the un convention of the law of the sea the one which determines the the borders in the eastern Mediterranean or is it, as Turkey claims, that islands don't have a continental shelf and therefore no exclusive economic zone? This is the key question which needs to be debated, which needs to be discussed. Uh, Let me be clear. These claims and this search for natural gas in the eastern Mediterranean is not just a diversion for Erdogan from, from domestic political problems, but this is a core element of Erdogan's strategy, regardless that there is that it's still not clear how much natural gas is really available in the eastern Mediterranean. And to this end, in the, with, this, with regard to the situation in the eastern Mediterranean, Turkey wants to exploit the disagreement within the European Union and to play off countries and also EU institutions one against the other especially using uh germany using malta and at times also italy so what could the eu do about it from my point of view it would be critical really critical to make clear that the european union stands by the international law and by its members the european union is not impartial as demanded by some turkish politicians The EU stands with its member states, Greece, and with uh, Cyprus. Uh, The EU should support the uh, intention of the Greek uh, Prime Minister Mitsotakis to uh, uh, have an international arbitration, preferably by the International Court of Justice, if Turkey is not constructive in the hopefully now upcoming talks with Greece. So, if Turkey blocks any kind of compromise, any kind of negotiation, real negotiations, uh, the EU should support to refer to the International Court of Justice to get an an outcome of this dispute through an arbitration. The European Union could also question the participation of Turkish troops in EU missions. It is very important for Turkey uh, to have its contribution, for example, to the EU mission in Bosnia-Herzegovina where this is an, an, a key element for their relationship with the local Muslim population. The EU should be also think about and be aware what if Greece or Cyprus ask for assistance uh, in accordance with the EU treaty, Article 42, uh, paragraph 7, with the obligation to provide assistance. So if Turkey, for example, would occupy one of the smaller Greek islands, And if Turkey would activate Article 42, the EU should be clear what are they going to do about this. Actually, they have no choice. The article is quite clear about this. What is frequently discussed is sanctions to sanction Turkey. The question is, is it a good idea to hit the population of Turkey and to weaken the economy of Turkey further on? I would say this is certainly not a good idea, but the EU could and they started recently with this sanction individual companies and individuals. This is certainly a way, a positive way uh, in the conflict with Turkey in order to convince Turkey that it makes sense for them to join really constructive uh, negotiations. An important element would be, I've mentioned before, that Turkey is using tools of strategy in a, let's say, quite special way. An important element would be to meet these tools of strategy in a proper way. Let me explain this. I've said that Turkey relies frequently on the use of its military. The military of Turkey is heavily dependent on imports from European countries, especially from Germany, but also from other European countries. And I would say to threaten with an arms embargo, to threaten with an arms embargo would be certainly something that would make Erdogan Think about twice about his next steps in this conflict. For example, air supply for his contingent in uh, Libya relies heavily on the A400M Airbus transport aircraft, which are maintained by uh, technicians from Airbus, mainly German technicians from Airbus in Turkey. So if there is an arms embargo, if these technicians would be withdrawn, this would be certainly a severe blow for the Turkish military. Another would be propaganda and, uh, and very aggressive rhetoric threats of war. If there are these kinds of statements, the European Union should be very clear that this is not acceptable and they should threaten with uh, targeted sanctions against those who are making these statements. This is not always President Erdogan himself, these are also about people in his surroundings. Uh, With regard to the Turkish and Muslim population in Western Europe, it's important to facilitate their integration. And it would be also important to cut the funding from Turkey for societies and associations who are affiliated with Turkey, or at least to make this funding more difficult. Uh, A key element, uh, a key uh, uh, way to pressure Europe is of course, as I've said before, the migration weapon and they call this a migration weapon by intent because Turkey uses it in the sense of a weapon. What the European Union could do about this, as it was recently proposed uh, by the Commission, to establish migration centers on the edge or outside of the European Union for a first screening and the pre-selection. Swift asylum procedures would be critical, but of course the legal requirements are still to be established. So. Stealing and defusing the migration weapon would be an important element. But uh, uh, stopping migration on the borders of the European Union is certainly not a way how to deal with this problem in the mid and in the long term. It would be also necessary to do something about the crisis areas. One way would be to establish refugee safety zones in these crisis areas. This would not be just another uh, refugee camp or something like this. This would be about to build some new towns, new cities to give the people really a way to live in their country, to stay in their region. So a refugee safety zone concept should be certainly more discussed in detail. And of course, this is about a long term strategy and migration needs to be uh, contained in the countries of origin. This is stated almost by every politician when the debate is about migration. The question is how? My proposal is to use a three-layered strategy to contain migration. And this uh, three-layered strategy would have seen the first lever to contain the multipliers, to contain the multipliers of migration. And this means the demographic developments. You can't uh, create enough jobs in Sudan or in Nigeria to get jobs for everyone who is living there in the next 20 years, to deal with environmental degradation, to deal with environmental degradation, with corruption, and especially to improve good governance. If these multipliers are not contained, you can forget about uh, stabilizing any of these countries. The layer two, after achieving a certain success, the layer one, would be to achieve a broad impact. This means broad impact projects uh, establishing or generating jobs for the many, jobs for the many who have some moderate uh, qualifications to uh, establish a healthcare system which would be able or which should be able to deal with about 70 or 80% of the usual diseases in these countries. And this would mean also to establish an education system. Not, I'm not talking about the universities. I'm talking about the low and mid-level education for everyone, the mandatory education for everyone. The layer free finally would see narrowing the gap to the developed world. So this is about peak performance. This would be also about top universities. This would be about top businesses and techn- technological enterprises. But let me be clear, without containing the multipliers at first, it will not be able to contain migration. And coming back to Turkey, this means that Turkey could use this migration weapon further on over the next decades. Let me finalize that with uh, explaining that Turkey interprets uh, courtesy or weak statements or any kind of politeness as weakness, as weaknesses. A good example is the EU operation Irini. So the unopposed acceptance of the refusal to search a Turkish ship by French and by uh, Greek warships in June uh, and ignoring the other arms deliveries in connection with. The recent stopping of a tanker from the emirates a tanker a fuel tanker by operation irini and celebrating this as big success by operation irini uh, is interpreted in turkey by many that the eu is simply scared of turkey and they simply are not willing or able to deal with turkey in a forceful way this needs to be changed
0: Thank you very much uh, you've outlined extensively the situation when it comes uh, specifically to Turkey's geopolitical and geoeconomic uh, interests but you also um you also elaborated uh, on uh, the European Union and I would like to draw the attention now to this twofold process uh, decision making process Uh, that uh, refers to Europe, uh, since we have uh, European Union institutions involved in the process, and we have, of course, European member states that have also their own political agendas, their own geopolitical and geoeconomic interests in the region. That is why it is a very complex process. And I would like to ask you to, Tell us a little bit about the current situation when it comes to the European Union-Turkey, sorry, uh, Libya relations. And when it comes to the uh, conflicting um, uh, groups of uh, of, uh, countries uh, that are involved in this conflict and also uh, what kind of scenario do you see in the short term specifically when it comes to the role of the European Union. Now let me remind that um, the European Union institutions have actually outlined already 10 years ago uh, this this call of uh, prosperity, security and stability in the southern and in the eastern neighbourhood, the ring of friendly uh, states and meanwhile experts point to the southern neighborhood as the ring of fire. So how do you actually assess uh, the current situation when it comes to this really ambiguous European interests? And will they be actually the barrier to a coherent European approach to Libya? And you also gave already uh, some examples as to how actors such as Turkey exploit this situation. So, what kind of role do you see for the European Union also in the long term?
1: I agree that uh, what you've said about the importance and the significance of uh, the southern neighbourhood for the European Union. With regard to Libya, it is necessary to address the root causes of the conflict. And the three main root causes of the conflict are the century-old tribal conflicts and differences between the regions. The second one is the lack of a state, of a state and the civil society and its structures due to Gaddafi's politics of chaos over decades. The increasing influence of political and radical Islam is the third major element uh, which fuels the conflict. Uh, With regard to the parties of the conflict, there are two major and several smaller parties. Uh, the first and maybe most important party to the conflict is the Government of National Accord, that's the internationally recognized, but on a national level, not legitimated government of Libya. There are several groups around this Government of National Accord, which is led for the time being by Faisal al uh especially the militias from Misrata, which are a very powerful uh, group of fighters, Uh, the former parliament, the GNA, which is now named in a slightly different way, Supreme uh, State Council, and a a group of militias under the name of uh, Operation Volcano of Rage. With regard to the GNA, the most important recent development is that al Serraj announced that he intends to resign at the end of October. And this is certainly understandable, keeping in mind that his position, his already very weak position, was undermined recently even more by his power struggle with his own Minister of the Interior, Fatih uh, al-Bashaga from Misrata, and his troubles with the mar- various militias in Tripoli. Uh, Siraj made also some, I would say, major mistakes recently by pointing uh, a number of extremely controversial criminal people into important positions in his government and in key government institutions. There are also uh, allegations that his clan and the people around him are extremely corrupt. So altogether this situation certainly convinced him that it is better for him to move out from Libya uh, before the situation could get personally for him, let's say, uh, critical. On the other side, we have the Libyan National Army led by uh, Marshal Hefta and the House of Representatives, which is the internationally recognized and nationally legitimated parliament of Libya. Uh, nevertheless, although there are just two main players on this side, they are also far from having a coherent uh, position, a coherent stance about the future of the conflict. Others are radical Islamists, terrorist groups, various Arabic tribes, minorities like the Tuareg and the Tubu. Uh, And, of course, there is also a moderate urban uh, population in the larger cities like Tripolis, Benghazi and Misrata. Everything they want is simply to live in peace, to live in peace and to have some progress with regard to their living standards. The current situation in Libya is characterized by demonstrations in the larger cities about these difficult living circumstances, about blackouts and others. Uh, is characterized by a front line, a frozen front line to the west of Sierte, and by ceasefire declarations by Faiz al-Saraj and the president of the House of Representatives Aguila Saleh. Uh, although there is such a ceasefire declaration from both side, sides, there is no document, there is no written uh, document about this ceasefire. So there are no signatures. This is certainly uh, one of the... Uh, key aims that should be achieved in the near future by the international community to moderate such a written ceasefire agreement. Another important element is that Marshall Hefta recently lifted in an agreement with the Deputy Prime Minister of the GNA with Ahmed Al Matik the oil blockade, which sounds great on the first view and is certainly a positive decision. Uh, is a little bit complicated on the second view because Ahmed Maitik mediated this agreement with the East without uh, discussing this before with, with Saraj and with the other power uh, powers in Western Libya. So this agreement was rejected by almost everyone in Western Libya. This agreement about opening up the oil ports was rejected by Zaraj, by the surroundings of Saraj, by the Misrata, by most by, of the militias. Uh, the only one exception are the some of the mighty businessmen in Misrata, who have understood that this is a way to the future. The National Oil Corporation, which initially also rejected this agreement, now uh, tacitly supports it. And actually, the oil exports have already started again. What happens with the revenues or what should happen with the revenues in accordance to the agreement between Maiteke and Hafta is that it is paid, the revenues are paid into an escrow bank account and they will stay there frozen until there is an agreement. And this is a key element for stabilizing Libya. Until there is an agreement how to distribute these oil revenues. I will come back to this later on. Uh, There were also several very positive developments about the talks between the two sides, between the two major sides. There were talks in Morocco between the House of Representatives and the Supreme State Council. There were talks brokered by Ansmill in Switzerland between delegations from the East and the West. And there were talks in Cairo between the various factions of the House of Representatives, actually between the Eastern ones and the Western ones. So these are rather encouraging developments. And the talks in Geneva should uh, continue in mid-October and the first, important development that they want to agree there is to reform the presidential council by designating a new three-person presidential council with one representative from Tripolitania selected by the people in Tripolitania with one representative from the east selected by the people in the Syrianaica, and with one representative from Fezzan selected by the Fezzanis. In a further stage, there could be also an agreement about the prime minister and two deputies. You've guessed it, uh, one each from each of from the Libyan historic regions. So if they really manage to agree on this, uh, this could be a major step forward. If the negotiations are going into a way addressing the root causes, which I've mentioned before, and addressing these root causes could be best done by uh, decentralizing how to govern Libya or to be more precise by establishing a federalist system based on the former, on the old Libyan constitution from the monarchy, which was a federalist constitution uh, and replacing the king by this presidential council. The way to such an agreement is still a very long one. And the way to such an agreement needs to take into account the interests, uh, especially of the main international backers of the two factions. On one side, this is Turkey. I've mentioned before the interests of Turkey with regard to its economy, with regard to getting a market, with regard to getting cheap energy and so on. And this uh, means that Libya is of critical importance for Turkey. Uh, the economic interests include the agreement between uh, the GNA and Turkey about the delineation of the exclusive economic zone between Turkey and Libya, ignoring that there is an island named Greece in between. Uh, sorry, an island named Crete in between. Uh, and this agreement uh, is being used by uh, by Turkey as an argument for the delineation uh, of the, the economic exclusive zones with the other countries in the Eastern Mediterranean. So this agreement is a key a cornerstone in the arguments of Turkey about the East Med. Turkey is seeking compensation for the losses it suffered during the revolution. Uh, Turkey is not the only one country suffering losses, but now Turkey has signed some agreements with uh, the GNA and with the Central Bank of Libya, which um, will certainly compensate them for a quite huge amount of the losses they suffered. And Turkey is looking for Libya as a sales market for exports, including weapons. It's looking for Turkey as a market with its construction industry, and they want to get their share, then an, an increasing share on the oil and gas, gas revenues. They want to use Libya as a basis for regional expansion. They want to facilitate their relations with the descendants uh, of the Ottoman soldiers in Libya and the local women, the so-called Korobis, and they want to use uh, Libya for the spread of political Islam in North Africa. And this brings me to Egypt. For Egypt. Uh, which has vital security interests in Libya. It is a red line that any kind of Islamist uh, or Turkish-influenced uh, uh, government in Tripoli gets access or influence in the east of Libya. So, Egypt has announced, and I have no doubt that they would do it, uh, would intervene by military means if the GNA, if Operation Volcano, if Turkey crosses the line uh, to the west of Syria and advances to eastern Libya. So Egypt has real vital security interests because they fear that the Islam, if the Islamists come back to eastern Libya, that this will fuel the conflict at home, that this would fuel the conflict. Uh, they have an ongoing insurgency in Egypt, in the Nile River Valley, and especially on the Sinai and also in some locations in, in western Egypt. They are scared that this would lead to a real Uh, destabilization of Egypt and that's the reason why they want to prevent this by any means of course on a secondary level Egypt has also economic interests in Libya this is not only about oil but also about the labor market Uh, more than 1 million Egypt workers were employed in Libya before the revolution so what could be done and what could be a possible role for the European Union as I've said before a consolidation of the armistice the ceasefire would be the next important step and thereafter the country should be stabilized in its parts i don't see it uh, realistic that uh, libya could be in the future again a centralized state as it was under Gaddafi, where everything is dominated by a government in tripoli and this is also one of the key reasons why the 1915 uh, so, sorry 2015 signed shkira agreement brokered by the united nations has failed Because neither in the East nor in the South, the people are willing to accept again the dominance of Tripoli. A key element on the way to such an agreement and to uh, a federalist state of Libya is a formula for the distribution of the oil revenues. The reason for the requirement for such a formula is that it is disputed where the border between Tripolitania and the Cyrenaica runs. Actually, it is in the Sirte Basin, but the question is, uh, is is it more or less to the east of the major oil fields so that the oil fields would belong to Tripolitania? Is it just somewhere in the center, or is it in the west of the the major oil fields so that the oil from the Sirte Basin would belong to the east? And I have no doubt about it that there will not be an agreement where the border will be exactly uh, in the case that someone would try to break away of the east. So they would certainly fight it out. In order to prevent such a fight, Libya should be kept together. Libya should be kept together and there should be a formula for the distribution of the oil revenues. This would ensure that everyone would benefit for a continued production there, regardless if this oil field belongs to Cyrenaica or Tripolitania. Within this uh, framework, there are, is certainly a role for the European Union, if they really speed up. And if they find to a common stance and to a common offer, I will explain this in a minute before Turkey and Russia agree on something like an Idlib style agreement also for Libya. They are currently negotiating about supervising while in the way they are doing this in Syria to the west of, uh, of of Sirte. I have some doubts that the Libyan National Army would agree to something like this, but they could be Uh, let's say convinced or forced to agree to this uh, by the House of Representatives or by some others. If such a Turkish Russian agreement settles and and secures more or less the ceasefire in uh, Libya, the position for the European Union would be much more complicated. And let me be clear, the Turkish and Russian uh, uh, intentions in Libya are certainly not to the favor of the European Union. This will be uh, a major setback for the European oil industry. This will be a major setback for the other European uh, industries engaged in Libya. This will include the risk of Libya as a destabilizing factor for other countries of crucial importance to some European nations like Niger. I, I remember the uranium mines in Niger. So if Turkey could expand its influence there, this could lead to some more turmoil in the region. And last but not least, we also should be aware that right now, Turkey does not only control the Eastern migration route to Europe, but also the central route. So there are many, many reasons for the European Union to get a real role in Libya. Right now, the Europeans have a credibility problem. Operation Sophia and Operation i as mentioned, this, are not really taken for serious. There was some kind of self-restraint by imposing sanctions on individuals who are key players in Libya most important one is the president of the house of Representatives, Aguilar Saleh, which is the most important political figure in the east uh, together uh, next to marshal hefta and he could have a key role for a political solution for the libya conflict fortunately fortunately recently the european union lifted the sanctions on Aguilar Saleh, and this could give a chance for the european union to get involved into the mediations The recent sanctions by the European Union to enforce the arms embargo about the Turkish company, uh, which shipped uh, tanks and artillery to to Libya, about the Lebanese company, which shipped also also weapons to Libya on behalf of Turkey, and about the Kazakh Air Company, which uh, transported weapons to Libya on behalf of the Emirates, is certainly a first step, but that's not enough. I would say the European Union should offer a European Union battle group as an initial entry force for UN force to secure a ceasefire and to establish a demilitarized zone to the west of Syrte. If the European Union gets a military, becomes a military player on the ground and the capabilities are here. The European Union would also play a significantly more important role in the future in order to stabilize Libya and this could help to secure the European interests regarding if we are talking about the Italian focus or about the French focus.
0: Mm-hmm. We're approaching the end of uh, our so uh, let me ask a final short question um, what would be your concrete two to three uh, political recommendations for our stakeholders in the European institutions, but also in the European member states, that would have a unifying effect on a coherent approach? You mentioned already some examples, some proposals, what the European Union could do. But what would be your concrete, uh, sh- short, please short political recommendations for us, for the European stakeholders?
1: I think the first one would be with regard to Greece and Turkey, and also with regard to Turkey and Libya, to make it clear that the European Union stands with its members. The European Union is not impartial in the conflict between Turkey and Greece and Cyprus. It's clearly in the camp of Turkey and of Cyprus. They should make it clear if Turkey is not willing to participate in constructive uh, talks, there will be focused sanctions and there would be an arms embargo. With regard to Libya, I think it is crucial uh, that the European Union gets seriously engaged, seriously engaged in Libya and the tool for this is uh, the military. So if the European Union deploys troops to Sirte to secure the ceasefire there, the European Union becomes overnight again an important, uh, maybe for the first time, an important actor in Libya. And the third point is that the European Union talks frequently that the migration problem needs to be solved in the countries of origin. Yes, I fully agree. And as I've said, it's time to find a strategy, to find a real strategy and a proposed three cornerstones, and not just to explain, yes, this is uh, a key element. If this migration problem would be more or less under control, the conflict with Turkey could be also easier diffused, and the situation in Libya could be also easier stabilized.
0: Mm-hmm. Wolfgang, Thank you very much for your insightful analysis and for your helpful assessment uh, on the current situation in Libya, particularly when it comes to the role of Turkey, but also to the role of uh, the European Union. Thank you very much.